Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have eye-opening conversations with all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Really glad you're here. So I had to take a week off because of a nasty cold, but I'm more or less recovered, and it's great to be back. Before we get into today's show, if you've been a fan for a while and you'd like to help keep the podcast going, I'm now accepting donations through Subscribestar in addition to PayPal. And from 2020 onward, I'll be moving the podcast show notes to my Subscribestar page, and that's located at subscribestar.com slash tango podcast. At the Subscribestar site, the notes and links for episodes will be free to access, but if you like, you also have the option of being a supporter of the podcast for just $2.99 a month. In the near future, I'll be creating some premium content exclusively for Subscribestar members. Thanks, as always, for your support. Okay, my guest today is an internationally acclaimed tango pianist, arranger, and composer. He started studying classical music at around age four or five. In 2005, he won first prize at the Biennale Juvenil National Competition for Young Artists. From there, he performed for several years and collaborated with a number of high-profile orchestras in Argentina. Upon discovering tango, today's guest was awarded with the Orquesta Escuela de Tango Scholarship and joined the ensemble under the leadership of the legendary Emilio Balcarce. As a tango musician, he performed in over 1,000 concerts in Europe, North America, and Asia. In 2015, he won the prestigious Gardel Prize for Best Tango Album by a New Artist with his album Tangos para Piano. He has performed and collaborated with legendary tango musicians, including a decade composing and arranging with Victor Lavallén, who was Osvaldo Pugliese's arranger. There are a ton of other accomplishments I could list, but I'll probably lose my voice if I keep trying to name them. But needless to say, my guest today is a titan in the world of tango music, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. All right, and with me now is the one and only Pablo Esigaribia. Pablo, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Of course. Thank you so much to take the time to learn my last name. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got most of it right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah you did. You did. It was, uh, I, okay. I'm pretty impressed. Great. Great. Thanks. Yeah. So, Pablo, uh, you started studying music at a very young age. So do you remember the moment when you wanted to become a pianist? Uh, you mean professionally or the, the moment I, I, I wanted to play piano for me? Maybe for when you wanted to play piano for you. Yeah, I was, I was just, I don't know, I was wearing diapers. I don't actually remember the, the moment, mm -hmm. but I have, I have pictures that my, my dad took with me with diapers and <laughs> having mate in the, in the piano stool, just playing around with the keys. Nice. I, I guess I was around four or three, something like that. Okay, wow. So you're from a musical family then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my mother is a professional cellist. Nice. And uh, yeah, and my dad is an amateur pianist. Okay. But you started off studying classical music before you got into tango. But did you also grow up hearing a lot of tango music? Actually, I did not because I'm not from Buenos Aires. I'm mm -hmm. from a small town 1,200 kilometers north from Buenos Aires. So we were in contact with, with a lot more uh, folk music and jazz and, well, classical music because my, my mother is a classical cellist. mm I discovered tango on my own when I was around 16 or 15 or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Actually, yes. the first contact I had with tango was not music, it was to dance. I started dancing oh. around that age. And uh, a few years later, I discovered Salgan Orchestra, and I decided I, I wanted to become a tango musician. Oh, okay. Yeah, so did your would you say your tango journey began after hearing uh, Salgan's music? Well, um, in my family, they, they, they used to listen a fair amount of Piazzolla's music. Mm-hmm. Especially the most avant-garde thing, like the electronic octet and mm-hmm. the nonet and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I enjoyed that, but I never wanted to play that music. Mm-hmm. You know, the minute I, I listened to Salgan's orchestra, I wanted to play that music. I wow. wanted to get the score and just just start studying it, mm-hmm. just start practicing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess that, that was around when I was 17 or something like that, yeah. Okay. I think that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you finally did get a hold of the the music and started playing it, what went through your mind? I don't know, really. I mean, I mm-hmm. um, I played I played a, a lot of genres before. I mean, not a lot, mm-hmm. but I played classical music. Then I played some jazz, some Latin right. jazz, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And I remember that my feeling when I started playing tango was that I I felt home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this this is something I I feel my own. So it, it sort of chose you, in a way. I think it always does. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Pablo, I want to talk a little bit about your experience having worked um, face-to-face with Emilio Balcarce, who was an amazing arranger. He had a lot of direct contact with a lot of the tango musicians uh, that you know from the golden age. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he, was he also at one point a violinist for Donato's orchestra? I don't know if he played with Donato, but he was Pugliese's violinist for over 15 years. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. actually wrote arrangements and songs for Troilo and Gobi and so on. Mm-hmm. Actually, he is the, he's the composer of La Bordona, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did you eventually get to, uh, to work with him? Well, uh, there, there's an audition. There was an audition to get into the orchestra. It was like a two-year program. Mm-hmm. It was like a school orchestra program, mm-hmm. you know. First year we got training, style training with Valcarce, and the second year we had guest maestros that that were on that golden age mm-hmm. uh, era orchestras. We got someone from, we got Celso Amato from D'Arienzo, we got Carlos Paso from Govi, we got you know a lot of a lot of guys from that time. We got Colangelo from Troilo and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. After those two years, I I, I was graduated and I left the orchestra. Okay. But yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, it's the the most incredible way to to learn this mm-hmm. music. Yeah, you know, by playing in a, in a big orchestra. I mean, we were like twenty. Wow. And since you have to audition for that, everyone, even the the, the bando players were were great. You know, the the string section was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there are things you're going to learn from these musicians and from these arrangers that you're not really going to get even from the best history books yeah well tango still is something that um oral tradition is very important yeah you know that there's not like tango academy i'm, I'm teaching piano and arranging workshops mm-hmm. and uh the books you, you have about that are maybe three total wow it's it's nothing it's it's i mean you we still have a lot of work yeah so yeah, back with your own tango journey, Pablo, what were some turning points in your understanding of tango from when you began to uh, to where you are now? Well, 
I've I've been uh, mentored mm-hmm. for over over twelve years now by a guy that that was Pugliese's arranger in the fifties. I mean, mm. so that's I mean I have I have originals in my home. I have like it's it, that was pretty amazing, you know, to to see him work mm-hmm. and compose. We composed some pieces together and uh, we arranged a lot together. So I, I got to see him, you know, working and, mm-hmm. and seeing what's, what's his process. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me a lot about how was, how was it to, to work with Pugliese and so on. And uh, it was pretty amazing. I learned mm-hmm. a lot from him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did he have any really interesting stories? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but not many are, are releasable. Okay, <laughs> understood. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you tried some tango dancing, you said. Now, I, I myself am a dancer. A lot of the uh, people we've interviewed on the show are, are dancers, but there's a lot of really great information that we dancers can get from from musicians uh, when it comes to uh, to being more musical in terms of dancing. So what are some things, in your opinion, Pablo, that dancers should better understand about tango music? Well, I did. I did teach. Um, I, I did some lectures for dancers before, mm-hmm. and what I I focus the most on is structure. Okay. Although there's not a fixed structure in tango, there's a lot of cues that you get to know where where are you at in the tango and just make it a little predictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're dancing to something that you never heard. Mm-hmm. You gotta have some things that will let you know where you are and what to expect, right? Because otherwise, uh, it's very difficult to dance it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I try to focus on that. On, on well, of course, on, on the forties and forties and fifties, mm-hmm. and what what the what do they have in common structure-wise, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know about the expressive and the rhythmic uh, characters of the same melody that there's a lot of stuff that that you can you know mm-hmm. that you can learn and will help you when you're uh, at the dance floor okay yeah and then it's fun that um a lot of musicians out there who might be listening um they're going to fall in love with tango and hopefully be inspired to to start their own tango groups in whichever communities they live in so in your opinion, Pablo, for those musicians out there who are just starting on their own tango adventures, what are some first things about tango music that they should really start to understand before jumping in? To me, step number one is to listen to tango all day. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not an academy. Mm-hmm. You've gotta, you got to be you know, soaked with, with the tango language if you really want to play that. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of stuff that you will get a sheet music, and it's you're not supposed to play it like that. Mm-hmm. And it, that comes either from experience, from listening and learning, or from getting a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's not so easy to get a tango teacher. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm working a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm working a lot on on Skype. Mm-hmm. I have students all over the world, and uh, and I think it's important because sometimes there's some information that you can only get from someone that's been doing that for several years mm-hmm. yeah yeah just the whole the whole act of playing the music i mean uh, there have been a lot of musicians who were tr- classically trained you know playing sheet music and when they started playing tango it was uh, for some quite a 
a huge adjustment for them to, to kind of get into that tango feel to bring out the soul of the of the music. Oh yeah, it's very different from classical music. In classical music, you got around ninety something percent of of the music you have to play written down in the on the score. Mm-hmm. And tango is more like a seventy, mm-hmm. and in jazz is more like ten. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, for for a classical musician, it is possible to play tango score and reach the end with the with the rest of the band, mm-hmm. but it will never sound the way it should sound. Yeah, because of that thirty percent. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I guess that that's why there, there's a lot of classical musicians that go into tango. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, I want to shift gears a little bit now into into arranging. Now this is, uh, you know, when we go to a milonga, we we dance to live music. We really, you know, have a good time. But there's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into um, arranging. It's almost an art form in and of itself. So yeah, so what were some of the your first experiences arranging music like? I'm I'm a very cautious guy. So before mm-hmm. I wrote my first arrangement, I analyzed a fair amount. Mm-hmm. A bunch from the ones I got, you know, from Orquesta Escuela and uh, Victor Lavallén, this arranger guy that mentored me. Mm-hmm. And after that, I um, I started trying my own. Mm-hmm. I re- I did my first recording on 2011 mm-hmm. with a uh, with a record that it's 100% my arrangements. Nice. That was that was my first try. Mm-hmm. How'd it work out? Well, I, I like it. It's on Spotify <laughs> if you want to check it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so just kind of a hypothetical. Let's say we had a quartet. Um, let's say we have a pianist, a violinist, a bandoneon, and a bass. And let, let's say we'd like for them to play uh, Darienzo's version of the song Loca. Um, where would you start in terms of um, arranging? Well, this, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't consider that actually arranging. Okay. That's more like transcribing. Ah, I mean, because what you have to do is just to listen to the recording like a million times and just mm-hmm. try to get out, get out take, take out note by note what, what they're playing and just adapt that to a quartet because, I mean, they're actually like 20. Mm-hmm. To, me, to me, that's not so much a creative process as writing your own arrangement of, say, loca. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, Okay. Actually, there, there's a lot of orchestras for milongas that, that that's what they do. They, they transcribe the, the music they play at milongas mm-hmm. and they play it live. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, live music has an energy mm-hmm. that a recording will never have, mm-hmm. luckily for us. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, they're, they're different processes. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah, so arrangements and transcribing. Okay, so I got the I got the concepts mixed up. Yeah, that's why I love having uh, these interviewees. I learn a lot as well. Well, actually, well, I, I can tell you what what is it like in Spanish. Okay, I don't know if in English it's exactly the same. Okay, I, I should say that because you know I don't I don't I don't want I don't get musicians just calling me saying, "Hey, man, you made a mistake." <laughs> <laughs> nah. What was a, a, I guess, a, a particularly challenging ar- arrangement that you that you made that you're really proud of? Well, um, I guess I should say uh, uh, Responso. We recorded that with mm-hmm. the big orchestra, 
Leopoldo Federico was going to record with us, so that, I was pretty nervous about that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was, I think it turned out okay. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's on Spotify again, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can check the, you can check it out. Yeah, yeah. And then also, uh, you, you mentioned earlier composing tango music, and that's another thing that you do. I, w- I would like the audience to to know about. So, what are some of the challenges of, of creating new tango music these days? Well, first of all, is to choose what kind of tango you want to do because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of tangos nowadays right mm-hmm. especially with modern tango yeah there is a uh, tango fusion with jazz there's there is tango fusion with classical music with contemporary music with mm-hmm. uh i don't know even there's traditional tango that you you, you could you know Mm-hmm. Just write a new melody inside the structure of traditional tango. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, you got you got to choose your own path. Yeah. Or or discover what is your path. Mm-hmm. Well, after that, you just gotta check out other artists that did something like that or something close to that and try to learn as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you uh, do you often compose music for dancers? Um, I don't think I played. Oh yeah, I played a couple of songs for of my own at milongas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did. I um, I played piano solo in a couple of milongas. Nice. Which is which is not very use. It's not something very um, common. Yeah. But people people like it. I mean, I play like one two tandas live, mm-hmm. and uh, well, it's it's different, you know. Mm-hmm. So right now in Buenos Aires, what are you up to? Well, actually, I, well, I, I was telling you about the uh, the teaching and the students and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting together a, a workbook of arrangements for the students. Nice. Yeah, it will be like 15 arrangements or so. I'm transcribing some of Salgan's solo performances. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put together this work workbook, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be for sale on PDF on my website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully by the end of March. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Another thing we should mention is that um, you do have a lot of the, the, these PDF files for sale on your website, so you are really making this great effort to educate and to, to spread you know, the love of tango music to, to the future generation of musicians out there. Well, to me, that, that's the thing. You know, mm-hmm. when, when, I started, when I started playing tango, the most difficult thing to do was to get scores, to get accurate scores, to get to get scores that were written by someone that actually, you know, mm-hmm. was revised or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I was in in Orquesta Escuela with Valcarce, we got that, but we were not a lot of musicians. There's a lot more of musicians that don't have access to that. So mm-hmm. I just want to do, but I just want to do my part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Pablo, what are some uh, upcoming plans or future big projects that you're working on that you can tell us about? Well, I have to premiere uh, my first piece for piano and orchestra, mm-hmm. string orchestra. That will be in November in Buenos Aires mm-hmm. and uh, probably in San Francisco in 2021. Nice. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big project now. Mm-hmm. What have been some of your favorite cities to visit? Well, Tokyo is is up there. Yeah, I love Tokyo, man. It's wonderful. <laughs> then uh, last year I got to go to Hawaii, and I gotta say that um, Waimea was awesome. <laughs> well, where in Hawaii were you? 
Waimea and uh, Honolulu, nice. Maui. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you still have time to dance these days, or is your schedule pretty much full with uh, with the musical side of things? No, I, I go to dance. I mean, since I'm in Buenos Aires, I mean, you've got to go dance, right? <laughs> Great. So, Pablo, where do we find out more about you online? Well, you have my website. That's uh, just mm-hmm. my name, pabloestigarribia.com. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find me on YouTube, on Spotify, on Instagram. My Instagram and my Facebook pages are Pablo Estigarribia OK. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just get in, get in touch with me anyway, any way you feel like. Okay, then. All right. Well, Pablo, thank you again so much for taking the time to take uh, to speak to me. I know you're really busy out there, and uh, sorry for the time mix-up earlier. <laughs> uh, of course. No I worries, man. should have double-checked. Okay, great. No worries, Joe. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. All right. You take care, and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Best from Buenos Aires, Joe. Bye-bye. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Glad you have been able to squeeze in time for a conversation with Pablo. He's incredibly accomplished and has performed in over a thousand concerts worldwide. I mean that literally. As he mentioned during the interview, he's worked with musicians and arrangers who had direct contact with historical tango figures of the golden age. And he's taken that knowledge and not only found a way to become a huge figure in tango music himself, but he's been inspired to help other musicians and to do what he can to make sure tango doesn't get lost in history. And like he said, tango history and musical knowledge has largely been passed down orally. Not a whole lot's been written down, and there's not a lot of pedagogy compared to other musical genres. And it's great that Pablo is taking the time to transcribe tango scores and to make them available to other interested musicians. So thank you, Pablo, for all you're doing in the world of tango and for taking the time to share your thoughts and experiences. And a big thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. I know life is busy for all of you, and it really means a lot that you've chosen to listen to the show. And if you're enjoying it, please take a quick moment to subscribe, and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. 